disturbing. Hi there, and welcome to Dork Wars, the podcast, your galactic hub for all things Star Wars and more. I'm here with some of the best hosts in the galaxy. First off, Water Tribe Chief Grant. I am no longer elusive. I just tribe the water. And Air Nomad, Wesley. I don't have a good quote for this. <laughs> I got my cabbages. Stop my cabbages. <laughs> there you go. Earth Kingdom debutante, Andrew. There is no war in Ba Sing Se. There's no war in Ba Sing Se. Nice. Ooh. I like that one. And Fire Lord Dietrich. Ooh. Oh, wait, wrong thing. I will take over the Earth Kingdom. I don't know. Something like that. Firepower. You know, he sounded like those two really old twins right there. Oh, yeah, the old lady. You really did. So, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about the Avatar the next couple of weeks. We're going to go season by season or as they're known as books. But before we get into all of that, we've got some news. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now hear this. Now you hear this, whoever you are. So tonight, we have some news from Warner Brothers. It seems that the Batgirl movie has been shelved, completely done away with. They filmed the whole thing, and they threw it in the trash. I'm dying to watch it. I want to see yeah. it so bad. I think this is a really good marketing I think it's a marketing thing, thing. yeah. Like, it's I do too! Brilliant. So, the reason I think so, there's some really good actors in this movie. And I'm really surprised there's some, like, people, like, J.K. Simmons is coming back. He was uh, Gordon, right? Lieutenant Gordon? Yeah, Michael Keaton's coming back as Batman. I mean... Yeah. I mean, I don't understand, it, like, why it got canceled, so... I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, Brendan Fraser... Was coming back as the villain, like he he was making his grand return to movies. Uh, I just there was so much going for this film. I don't know why they would just throw it away because we know that DC is not afraid to put a bomb out. I mean, let's let's be real. <laughs> they they're not afraid. They only put bombs out. Suiciders squad. Yeah, <laughs> Suicide Squad. It should have just been called Suicide. That's just what should, they should have called that movie. But yeah. I, I'm with you guys. I really think m- good marketing strategy because now everyone is like, well, this movie is so bad. What could be wrong? It's like when you know you can't have something, you want that thing more than like yeah. anything else. It's like if it's contraband and you can't get a hold of it, I want it now just because you can't All have it. All I'm saying is bat nipples. They, they released bat nipples, okay? What, what could be worse than bat nipples? Bat nipples on a female. Bat testicles. I was going to say uh, <laughs> some good old fashioned okay. bat butt. All right. All right. I'm, I stand corrected. But uh, <laughs> what on film could possibly be worse than bat nipples? But I don't know. I'd, bat butt. I'm, I'm dying to uh, see it now. <laughs> just a thick bat butt. No, 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 Bat butt. It's on Batman, not Batgirl. Same bat butt, same bat channel. This is Dork Wars After Dark. 
anyways, we're, we're not going to go there. But I don't know. They, they said that this movie's not going to stream on uh, HBO Max even. Like, they're not even going to release it there. They're not going to put it in theaters. They're not, not a straight it's to... It's just going to be on VHS. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find it in your local Dollar General in uh, November, just in time for the uh, Christmas rush. You know, that sounds like it's going to be a very rare commodity. I got to say, you know, that's a dying, collector's item. A dying breed is the straight-to-TV movies. They don't exist anymore. Hey. Yeah, I mean, there's not many people doing the cable thing anymore. I I think cable's dying. I don't think... It's, it's not going to be around much longer. But, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like we are going to be able to see Batgirl, at least not right now, until they release it. And like, oh, it was it was also... You would We've enjoy done reshoots. It we redid the entire movie. Right, right. I didn't know they were working on Batgirl. So it's like, oh, that was coming out? Oh, now it's not? Okay, but my life has not changed a bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I really... It snuck up on me because I remember hearing, like, mumblings about it before, and then all of a sudden it was like, well, here it is, and it's not coming out. <laughs> Oh, Michael Keaton's going to be Batman. I heard J.K. Simmons. Yeah. I heard J.K. Simmons. I heard uh, Brendan Fraser, and I was just immediately like, I, I, just like Wesley said, I hadn't heard of this. I don't care, but now I'm kind of sad. Kind of yeah. wish I had seen something. Yeah, it's a gut punch for something you didn't know that you could have. <laughs> don't worry. We'll see that butt again. You, believe, you better believe it. You better believe it. Better believe it, my friend. <laughs> Ah, okay. Oh, like before we go to merchandising, I have an announcement of my own. <clears throat> oh, oh gosh. Yeah, yeah. So, so of course the podcast is glad to present that Grant is becoming a father. Oh, oh dang, dude! Oh snap! Are you adopting? <laughs> Jeez. Well, look at this. This is a development. I I knew, but yeah, Blake knew, but I know you guys didn't. Congratulations. What? Nobody shared? That's amazing. Is it a human? Or is it an alien? Or like a... It's a human! Oh. Tortuga? I don't know, man. Grant and Thrawn. You know Grant and Thrawn. Okay, it's <laughs> half human, but still. Half chiss? <laughs> half human, half chiss. I gotta make sure it gets the brain from the chiss, though. It's gonna look like a blue man group guy. <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> but yeah, the that's, mullet. that's why I've been absent lately, is dealing with that nonsense. Hey, man. Well, congratulations. Yeah, congrats. Thank you. Well, I mean, you're not having the baby. Yeah, I'm not, but, Blake, you know very well what it's like to be married to someone who is. Well, yeah, I'm still losing the baby weight from the first one. That was six years ago. (laughs) (laughs) But but that is amazing, Grant. We We are all very happy for you, all very proud of the man you are becoming and the father soon to be. You gotta name if it's a boy. You gotta name it Luke, okay? So you can tell him. I don't know. We're watching Dragon Ball Z right now together, so I think I can swing for Goku or Gohan. <laughs> if you can swing that, that's even cooler than Luke, just because trunks. That, that's a harder get, dude. Yeah, I don't know, no, not Krillin. Mm-hmm. Gohan, I said, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> if he's half human or something, go Piccolo. <laughs> go Piccolo. <laughs> All right. Well. Dork Wars, the podcast, has a merchandise store. Merchandising. Merchandising? What's that? Merchandising. Come, I'll show you. Open up this door. 
We've got Dork Wars the coffee mug, Dork Wars the t-shirt, Dork Wars the hoodie, and yes, even Dork Wars the cabbages! My cabbages! So many. That's not, that's not true, though. We don't, we don't have our own produce section on Teespring. Uh, once they want to offer that to us so we can offer it to you, then we'll do that. But uh, for now, you're just going to have to get your cabbages from your local cabbage cart guy. How about a lotus tile? Can we get a little like piece of plastic mm. and like, screen print it? Not I would like a lotus tile. Um, uh, 3D print a lotus tile with Dork Wars on it. Yeah. There's the idea. Dude, that would be cool. We could all have one. That would be killer. And we could all get like a secret meeting place. And you know how rare those lotus tiles are and how important they are to whatever... What's the game called? Pie Show, I think, right? Yeah. Pie Show. Yes. But yeah, check out Dork Wars, the podcast's merchandise store. You can check us out on dorkwarspodcast.com. There we have the links to our show where you can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, every, everything that's out there. If it's if it's a streaming platform, we're probably there. You can find the link to our merchandise store and to our YouTube channel where we do Dork Wars live every other Saturday night at 9.15 p.m. Eastern Time. Dork Wars, the podcast, is also part of a conglomerate of other geeky, dorky podcasts, and that is the Red 5 Network. This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. So tonight, we are talking about Avatar The Last Airbender, book one. So before we even talk about the actual show, let's get a little into how much of a banger the credits are. It goes like shucka to shucka to shucka shucka to shucka to shucka shucka to shucka to shucka 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 shucka. Always gets me pumped. I'm ready to fight some Fire Nation people. I like it. Right, and they always play that during the important parts. Like that's when you're getting the real action and like the real cool stuff. You're. It's really the main theme of the show. Yeah, it is. I will say, like, uh, this show is, like, the one show where I don't mind watching the opening theme and credits and then the actual end credits, because I just like the music. Yeah, you don't hit skip intro on the Netflix or the Paramount Plus on this one. By the way, these shows are both currently streaming on Netflix and Paramount Plus, so go check them out there. We're not going to issue a spoiler warning tonight. This show's been out for 15 years, so I don't think think we need to... uh, if, if you're listening to this, you probably know what's, what's happening. But we're going to talk about it anyways because we, we like dissecting things. And we're all really passionate about Avatar The Last Airbender. Great show. As just all of it. Every bit of it. But tonight, we are talking book one, Water. I just want to remind everybody that we probably love it so much because Dave Filoni directed most of it, right? Yeah. This is where he... Got to start. So Dave Filoni, the guy who's essentially taken over Star Wars, you know, is it's the same guy, and he's just a wonderful storyteller. So, especially with the fantasy genre, Disney poached him. He is, and I would, I would dare say that I love his work on Star Wars, and he does a great job. But Avatar is, I would think, is more his baby. You know, like he he helped create the world, and. His work on this show is phenomenal. 
So, we're going to talk about the initial thoughts on book one. Grant, coming to you first, uh, initial thoughts on book one, Water. All right, so backstory for this. For me, I grew up watching this. Like, legitly, I remember buying the DVDs one by one as they came out and rewatching them over and over and over again. Um, so book one is, I, I like it a lot. I won't say it's my favorite book, uh, but it's a great introduction. Um, Sokka is immediately just like dry funny, and you can tell he's like the person that we're going to make fun of the entire time. Um, and then Katara is obviously the immediate love interest for Aang. And uh, seeing how lighthearted and, you know, just so much of a kid as he is. And he's supposed to, like, save the world. It's just kind of, like, very uh, interesting. And then uh, the antagonist being Zuko for this first season. Um, well, for the most part, Zuko uh, go- later going on to uh, one of our commanders. Um, he was a, a very... Gao. General um, Zhao. <laughs> Zhao. That's the one. General Zhao. It's been a minute since I've watched this, but... Um, he uh zuko is an interesting character um having daddy issues of course um he was he was one of those first characters on cartoons to really have that kind of that dynamic that's a reoccurring theme with dave filoni the character or i guess well sorry i guess greater star wars compared to um avatars is having daddy issues right yeah it, it really is but i think this is where dave filoni's like you know what this is a good story plot let, let me just hook it in there real quick um and then seeing his growth and everything like that but uh initial thought is it's very fun i like a lot of the characters and they're dynamic and they all fit really well together honestly and that's what really makes it a great great show to me is the ensemble of the cast that was a very long initial thought but i enjoyed it there's a lot to talk about with this show blake god man it's a classic just blake here wesley what is your initial thought on avatar the last airbender book one water Kind of like Grant, you know, I, I watched this show like when it first came out when I was much younger and and it it was amazing. Um, and, you know, I think the overall pacing of the story in season in book one was just phenomenal. You know, you get attached to this kid, Aang, and more so I was more interested in Katara and Soka, you know, the siblings from the uh, Southern Water, Water Tribe um, and, you know, their quest to get to the North Pole to find a water bending t- teacher so uh yeah the just the world building and the character development in the first season was just great and i'm i'm excited to discuss it yeah very cool stuff andrew what are your initial thoughts on avatar the last airbender book one water it was good all right initial thought hell yeah what's some that's a thought right there boy i love it <laughs> Straight to the point. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, my initial thought is, and I think what my biggest takeaway is, I had probably seen half of it before you suggested watching this, or you suggested doing this pod. Um, so then I went and watched it all. I think it's kind of insane that it's a uh, it's a really good show. Um, I didn't expect to enjoy it, and I think that anybody out there who doesn't watch anime or hasn't watched it because they thought it might be a kid show or doesn't enjoy i I don't know i I was surprised by how good it was and i think people who might not think they would like it might be surprised and that's a good point my my dad actually really enjoyed watching avatar the last airbender and of course he was in his late 30s when that show came out and or maybe early 40s i can't remember um but he 
he thoroughly enjoys watching that show and he's just a grown man i being a grown man now still enjoy watching that show so the rewatchability of this just is high because you want to go back to it because there's things that i take away from it now that i didn't as a kid great thoughts andrew so diedrich what are your initial thoughts on avatar the last airbender book one water Cool. So since everybody has been so nice and positive, I will bring that mood down. No. Um, of course you will. Of course you will. It, no, no, no. It's, so overall thoughts, absolutely great start. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I was probably 15, 16 when it came out. I was a little older than its key demographic, but um, I still felt like it had some relatable things. But I will say this. It is the weakest of the three. Um, it's a great setup. It does get you into some characters. It gets you into the the main villains and what the story and situation is. But I have an issue with most of the episodes have this formulaic. They go on a quest. Something bad happens. They get in trouble. Aang goes into the Avatar state, saves the day. And it re- it, it happens several times in the first season. And I wish they would have done that a little bit less. Yeah. And we'll definitely talk about that. That's one of the first things I want to talk about. My initial thoughts on Avatar book one, when I started watching this show, I remember coming home. It used to come on Friday nights on Nickelodeon. I remember coming home, rushing home to watch it, um, getting, you know, your your drinks and your your candy or whatever and getting ready. Me and my sister watched it together. And every Friday night, you got a new installment of Avatar The Last Airbender. And the excitement was up. It was It was akin to anime. But it wasn't quite anime, and it had a very cool cartoon style. Like, the way they drew it was amazing. Good story. It was funny. It was also serious. Um, not so much the first book as, as the later books, but it had its serious moments. And that's where this show really flourishes, in the serious moments, I think. And the comedy is great, but the serious moments really kind of draw you in and like, hey, this is actually... A show worth watching because Nickelodeon, they were all about the funnies, right? They're all about the funny kid yeah. uh, sitcoms uh, like Drake and Josh. Um, I Carly that came out later. Stuff like that. They were also known for uh, Fairly Odd Parents. So cartoons that were just goofy all the time. This was something different that Nickelodeon really didn't do. Good era of Nickelodeon. Yeah, that era especially. And I think that's what drew a lot of people in. And it was amazing. So that's my initial thoughts. It just brings me back to a simpler time. Uh, And I enjoy it even today for different reasons, actually. But great show, great start. It's one of the first shows where I think the tone, it, it can go from extremely ridiculous and, and child-friendly, and then 10 minutes later, it's some of the heaviest stuff, like Soka's girlfriend turns it to the moon and basically dies. Like, Yeah. And I know we'll heavy, talk about man. that more, but it goes from penguin sledding to like serious in a yeah. heartbeat. And that's, it was one of the first shows I remember doing that, and I think that's phenomenal. I loved the, yeah. that about this show. So. And uh, this reminds me of a, a part in book three where 
uh, Zuko and Sokka are talking. They're bonding in the the hot air balloon after they've escaped the prison, and they're talking about their past loves. <laughs> and Zuko's like, "Your girlfriend turned into the moon. That's tough, man." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do yeah. want to talk about what Diedrich was talking about. I know he was just talking about what I'm talking about, and I'm talking about what he was talking about. That this book is the weakest of the three. And that is a common idea. That's something that I hear a lot. It's a great foundation. You get your start. You know that Aang's the Avatar. He has to fight the Fire Lord. But this show was really trying to find its legs throughout the season, too. Uh, You know, it's not like they had all this established stuff before. And I think the funny parts were funny. Yes, these episodes are more singled out because in books two and three, each episode really advances the plot. There's not many episodes that you would call filler, quote unquote. But in this first season, there's there's some of that filler stuff in there. But something that this season does really great at is plant seeds. All the characters that you meet in this first season, every story comes back in some way in seasons two and three to pay off what it sets up. So... Books two and three are only great because these seeds are planted in book one. Yeah, and if I can interject, Blake, yeah, you know, there's only three books, and just to say like this is the worst book, it's like it's still a great book, you know. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, right? And you know, the only filler episode, like I think, was the, the Great Divide, like that episode, which is a waste. But I think that's one thing I like about the show is every episode you get a little bit of character development, maybe a side character or you get a yeah. theme and every time you go back and watch it, you pick up more and more on it. Um, so that, that's one thing I like about Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, one episode that stands out to me in this first book that I just can't stand um, is the Jet episode where he first shows up. For some oh, reason, really? I just do not like that episode. He was cocky. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know what it is, but that one episode, every time I just, I hate rewatching because- it. Yeah, let me add to that real quick, Grant. It's it's almost as if um, Katara goes from like super in love with Aang, yeah, and then like just like on, at the turn of a dime is like, oh, forget Aang, I'm gonna <laughs> check out Jet, like yeah, and I'm just like, what? I, He's the Avatar. He saved your life literally multiple times by this point, like yeah, we don't want no new guys in here. These hoes ain't loyal, you know, dude. She's a 13 year old girl. Okay, <laughs> yeah, she, her her fancies change from here to there and this to the other, <laughs> like. <clears throat> I don't, I don't like Jet specifically, but like the other characters that are introduced in that episode, I end up liking later when they come back. Oh, Smellerby, Smellerby, and then um, the Duke, the Duke. Yeah. yeah, I love those two characters. They're fantastic. But for some reason, Jet, I just, I don't know what it is. Just maybe because he's just a jerk. He's kind of off-brand uh, Zuko. He really is, and I, I'm like, great value Zuko. He is a Zuko with very little reason to be like Zuko. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, he's got past trauma. Well, I don't. I take that. I take that back. His family died, right? Yeah. I mean, he's got. He's got a. He's got a backstory. Yeah, but did we need another Zuko in a series where Z- there was already a Zuko and he was the main villain at this point? And Zuko stays around for the entirety of the show. Yeah, I think his his initial um, introduction is just kind of like he's another. He's not an antagonist, but he's someone they thought was a friend and turns out to be a really bad dude. It is fun to see Jet in the later seasons. Yeah. In the later seasons, he does improve. But, like, this this introduction really 
sucks for me. I just hate it. I hate the episode. But that's what I'm saying about this season. It plants so much like Haru, Jet, and the boys. The Earth Kingdom prisoners who end up coming back in later seasons to join their little United Army thing. The, yeah, who, yeah, Haru's dad and all those people. It's the Kyoshi Warriors in this season? I forget if that's in season one. Yep. Yep. That's the season. The Kyoshi Warriors. They're early in this season. They're in. I think they're in every season in some capacity. Yeah. yeah. The those people, the people in the the Northern Air Temple, the people who kind of squat there oh, yeah. and steal all the air stuff. It's Eastern and Western Temple, right? No, they're the Northern Temple, I believe. It's Eastern and Western Air Temple, Northern and Southern Water Tribe. No, there's a there's a, there's a Northern, Eastern, Southern, and West. There's four air temples. Oh, okay. I never knew that. All right, I guess I forgot that. And they're in the north one because they're headed towards the North Pole. They're pretty close to their destination at that point. But those characters come back later and play an important role. Um, And I got something about that episode that I have to talk about later on. But the Kyosha Warriors, like you were saying, they show up. And later, uh, Boomy, he is a big player. He's introduced. He becomes an important kid. So everything in this season, you can't have the payoffs you get in seasons two and three without this. Like the the reason that seasons two and three are great is because they pay off things, but those payoffs are set up in this season. And let me say, I feel like the Legend of Korra does not do that. There's yeah. not a lot of things that are set up in that first season, and I liked the first season more than I like some of the other ones. But there's not yeah. this weird like it is not one continuous story that no. happens over the four seasons of yeah. Legend of Korra. They, there's four distinct stories. Yeah. I'm- but I mean, Aang, Aang coming out of the ice block after a hundred years, you know, we've seen this world develop through his eyes. And so, mm-hmm. th- so that's why we're getting that world development, kind of get an understanding where things stand in today, where like Fire Nation is at war with everybody so, and the Air Nation right. is completely eliminated. We start with these characters at a good point. You know, something as traumatic has happened to all of them before. Like, they're, they have backstories that are already interesting. It's not like everything interesting about them happens in this show um, in present time. Uh, Sokka and Katara have lost their mother to the Fire Nation. Their dad's out fighting a war. So they have that backstory right off the bat. Aang is interesting. He is the Avatar. He was lost in ice for 100 years. So there's a, there's a, like, what happened to him? Like, no one knows right yet at the beginning. Zuko has this past. He's on the hunt for the Avatar. He's been shamed by his father. He's in a great place to start. Now, where this season really gets cool is the episode, The Storm. Is that episode three? Mm-hmm. Is, is this, I don't think The Storm oh, is episode uh, three. No, my bad, my bad. Now, episode three, are you talking about um, where they go to the, uh, the Eastern Air Temple? The Southern Air Temple, yeah. Southern Air Temple. See, I don't even know all my air temples. Yeah, the Southern Air Temple where, yeah, it, it really gets real there where he kind of unlocks that Avatar state really for the first, well, I guess the first time is when he's in the ice. But you see him like go into that state because Monk Gyatsu, he finds his body yeah. and he just goes off. Yeah, that that's a great episode. And to see all the statues of the past Avatars. That's also a reoccurring thing. They have to. They they constantly have to be like, "Ang, chill. You're gonna kill everybody." Yeah, I mean, because he's a kid and he's untrained to be an avatar. So you know, that's what that's what they about Katara is like. She she's constantly having to like mentor him. Yeah, he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders, and he's he's eleven. Yeah, but I wouldn't even say that just because he's a kid, they have to do that. I mean, we we later on find out some of these other avatars have done some pretty bad stuff. 
when they were adults. Aang is very mature for his age. I agree, but he's still a kid. There's often times that he shows wisdom that that adults don't show on the show. So I would say he's, true. he's beyond his years in some ways, but not in others, right? Yeah. But isn't he really old? Mm-hmm. He's 112. Well, he, he is over 100, but he's really 10 because he was frozen for 90-what years? Well, yeah. Hey, he's 11. The difference between 10 and 11 is a lot when you're that age. Thank you. And I, I think, uh, speaking to his, his maturity, I think because he was, tr- you know, his mentor was a uh, monk, Gyatso, or, or how do you pronounce his name? Gyatso. Gyatso. Yeah, Monk Gyatsu. So I think having that mentor sort of develops him a little quicker. Yeah, and just the nature of the air nomads. I mean, they're a peaceful people. They're all about meditation. They're, they're really akin to Buddhists in our world. They're just very zen, if you will. But the episode I was talking about, the storm, is when Zuko and co, his old little army, and Uncle Iroh, we got to talk about him, man. He's the man. They mm-hmm. go through the storm, and then Appa with... Katara, Sokka, and Aang on his back go through the same storm, and we get the backstories for Aang and Zuko at the same time. Like, they flash between um, Aang training at the temple, finding out he's the Avatar, being unhappy with that, being scared and frightened and running away, and then we get the the story of Zuko, where he's the prince, he's he's happy to be invited to the war room in his father's presence and all that, and then he speaks at a turn, and we get the Agni Kai between Zuko and o, uh, Ozai. We get all of that in the same episode, and they're, they're parallels. These two characters, this is where we set up that Aang and Zuko are the yin and the yang of this show. And that is another theme that penetrates through the rest of the show. You, so you're proposing that Zuko <laughs> is a foil to Aang? Not a foil, because the yin and the yang have to, yet they create a whole. One is the opposite of the other, but they work they work together, not against one another. Hey, Blake, there's a great example of exactly what you're talking about in this show, right? Uh, when we think about the Moon Spirit and we're talking about the Northern Water Tribe, um, they talk about the yin and the yang, how they're both necessary. And yeah. she ends up giving her life to bring back one of them, right? So- uh, Sokka's girlfriend. And it was talking about Aang, and then actually it was talking about Zuko as the other part of that yin and yang. Yeah. And, and actually and, talk about it in the series. And we'll talk about this in other books too, because there's another episode in book three that really, really defines this. And it's kind of it's kind of like the part two of this episode, honestly, that I'm talking about. It really is. But we'll get there in two weeks. I don't I don't know. I think I I I, I don't know. I, I think I disagree that they are opposites and that they are they are the yin and yang to each other. I disagree with that premise. You disagree with that now, but you will agree with me by the end of this. I will make it my goal. Okay. We'll I will see. make it my goal. <laughs> but um, I know we talked about Monk Yatso a lot, but Uncle Iroh is like that opposite character for Zuko, and it's at, he isn't honestly opposite. He's like very He's similar same. to Monk Yatso, yeah. and it's kind of funny. And uh, just seeing how that relationship goes. Well, he grows a lot, though. I mean, when, when Monk Yatsu has always been very enlightened, but Uncle was started off very martial. He was a general, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah. He, he softens over time. It's very evident that he didn't start quite the same way we see him in Avatar. Yeah, but I mean, but by he, the time we see him in book one, he's already that um, funny old man, if you will. Yeah. Because, he, he, you know, he's got he's, that point already. He, yeah, he's gone through a lot. He, he had his defeat at the Battle of Ba Sing Se. He lo- loses his son to the war. 
there's a lot of things that happen to Uncle Iroh that soften him, and then his brother betrays him and gets to be the Fire Lord when that's really Iroh's birthright. So, yeah, he's got a, he's got a lot of things that happen to him that make him this funny old man and very enlightened teacher to Zuko. Because, yeah, he is the funny old man, but he is the enlightened teacher guiding Zuko on his path. And one thing that I'm not clear on, I will protest, I, I, I really don't have much of a theory either, is Uncle Iroh, how much character development is there in Iroh in this show? Because at the beginning, he's working for the Fire Nation, he's helping Zuko track down the Avatar, but he's still, he's still on the wrong side. So the character development for Iroh in the series, let's not get super into it because we're, we're supposed to be talking about book one tonight, right. but he goes from being a very passive non-actor in this big stage, aside from being a a console to Zuko, to being somebody who is actively working against the Fire Nation. That's right. his arc. Right. He recognizes that it's not his place to really be the leader in this, but he definitely goes from being a passive, not going to get involved, to now I have to do something. Yeah. I can agree with well, that. Well, the big changes for Iroh come, I think, in, in book two. And so we can yeah. talk about that more about that next week. But right. um, here at the start, he, he knows what, what's going on in the Fire Nation is wrong, but he's not doing anything about it. So Yeah. I can agree with those statements. He's just trying to help his nephew gain, regain his honor because that's what he wants. Yeah, my favorite Uncle Iroh moment um, was when was when Zuko challenged uh, Zhao for, uh, what do you call it, the... Uh, Agni Kai, and then he, and then he defeats it. He defeats Zhao, and then Zhao tried to, be, you know, get him behind his back, and then Iroh stepped in. So I think that was a very good moment for Uncle Iroh. And just flick of the wrist, just throws him. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny to see that, like at any point, at any point in the entire series, it feels like Iroh could have been like, "I'm gonna step in and do something now," and it would have been over. Yeah. You know, it, but he it's like he, he purposely knows that if he does something, it's not really gonna fix it. He's Master Roshi. Yeah. From Dragon Ball. From the original run of Dragon well, Ball. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say he's Master Roshi. He does he have is. the same tendencies. Um, he's Master Roshi from the first couple seasons of Dragon Ball. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, fair. Replace women with T, and that's... that's, and, that's and that's him. That's right. Having only seen the first book, he's definitely my favorite character. And I think that... Uh, oh, Andrew. He, he, the voice actors haven't changed yet. I don't know what you mean. So the original voice actor died in real life, and so they, they had well, to change his voice actors. I really enjoy him. I love the character, personally. I think he's my favorite character. Uh, and I think, like, we had a discussion earlier. I think he's, uh, I don't think he's such a bad guy. I think he has his reasons, you know what I mean? And, you know, going back on what Andrew said, as I get older, the less I relate to the gang and the more I relate to Iroh, to Iroh being yeah. like, you're being stupid. Just listen to what I'm telling you yeah. and do the thing I'm telling you. Yeah. Right. I can agree. 100%. Make some good tea. <laughs> so what I like about Avatar, The Last Airbender, is the overall plot is the same throughout the whole show. Aang's the Avatar. He has to save the world by killing the Fire Lord. Or defeating the Fire Lord, rather. Such a simple premise, right? Straightforward. And it's the same. The main plot of this show never changes. It is this way from the beginning to the end. But everything that happens around this this plot, 
the politics between the nations, the war, the characters, and how each of them develop. Because every single character in this show that has any kind of screen time has a story and a deep one at that. You know, everyone has that. It's kind of like Star Wars, actually. Everyone has a story and everyone has a deep story. And we find out anyone that's mildly important in this show gets their story fleshed out. And it's amazing for that. So what I really applaud with this show is the simplicity of the main plot, but the intricacy of everything that happens around it. So I do want to talk about before we get into our favorite moments of the and our least favorite moments of the season, the finale, the last arc of the season, the book, whatever you want to call it, uh, the North Pole. It was cool to see the other water tribe, right? They are more sophisticated. They're a lot bigger. Um, there's like a city up there and you get all these waterbenders. Really cool. Yeah. It's a really cool place. Well, I think that I think what they were trying to get at is that the Northern Water Temple hadn't been really attacked by the Fire Nation yet, unlike the Southern. Yeah. I said Water Temple. Water Tribe, excuse me. Yeah. The Southern Water Tribe had been wrecked by the Fire Nation like, what, 20 years ago or something? Mm-hmm. 10 years ago? Yeah. Because it, uh, it, it was when Katara's mom was taken. Right. So, so like 10 years ago. Correct. Yeah, so the Northern Water Tribe has kind of stayed out of this conflict so far, it seems. They've kept it themselves. But Aang and the gang bring the Fire Nation to their door, <laughs> basically. Um, they're chasing after the Avatar, and that's where the Avatar is. And the, this is where this whole, of course, the finale is where everything's supposed to click. But these are some of the most serious points in the season. Now, you have episodes like The Storm, which is pretty serious, and the Winter Solstice episodes and the Spirit World stuff. Um, those are all serious. But this whole arc has a has a weight to it. You know, he's he's uh, Aang has to learn waterbending. Katara can't learn from Paku. That's it. Paku. Won't teach Katara. You know, there's there's all that stuff. And you learn to respect. I will say, this show really has a lot of lessons in respecting women. Sokka learns it um, during the Kyoshi Warrior yeah. episode. And Paku is learning it in the waning episodes of this book. You know who is always about the ladies? Aang. Yeah, Aang, Aang just gets everybody. Aang, Aang is is always like, just on point. He knows how to talk to the ladies. Yeah, I think that's kind of that's kind of one of the funniest things about this entire season is like Katara's all over him, and he like has this thing with Katara, or whatever. But then the the girls at the Kyoshi Islands, they love some Aang. Yeah, they like them. he's yeah. just pimping all oh, you know day. I'm glad we brought that up because maybe maybe Katara was getting back at Aang with Jet a little bit, just a little bit, because Aang almost every spicy. place they go, the ladies are all over him. So she's like, oh, I got one for once. You know what? Let me uh, just have this little fling for a second. I'm not saying it makes it right. So I see, I see Grant like, oh, no, I don't like it anyway. I don't care. No, le- I, don't like I, it. I, I looked it up, and, and the episode Jet was directed and written by Dave Filoni. And it makes me sad. Hmm. Hey, man. Everybody's got that one thing. That's right. That's right. Well, Jet, Jet represents what they could be if they don't like temper their hate, you know? Yeah, he really is. He's, yeah. he's an extremist. Wants to blow up the whole town just because there's a couple Fire Nation folk in there. It's not good. It's not good stuff. But this final this this final arc really shows the power of Aang. It shows the importance of what they're doing. 
because the Fire Nation comes to their door. Zuko is pretty much they they think Zuko's dead. General Zhao is coming to the Water Tribe, the Northern Water Tribe, to capture the Moon Spirit. He's he's just a bad guy. He's the bad guy, right? And he's doing what bad guys do at the season finale. And he's coming to get get the good guys. But what really stands out to me is that, for one, the moon spirit gave life to Sokka's girlfriend. I can't remember. What's her name? Yoko? Yuko? Yuri. Yui. Yeah, Yui is the one that brings the moon spirit back to life. She brings it all into balance. She And that's a really heavy topic for a kid's show. Like, she sacrificed her own life for the greater good so that the moon spirit could live, the moon could, could come back in the sky control the waves and, and all that stuff. So it, just heavy stuff in this show already. Just book one. I, I love the finale. The It's so epic. So grand. Uh, just all the, the moving parts come together at a head. And we, we get uh, Aang learning waterbending more advancedly. He's, he's done real well up to this point. It's just so much going on. So what, what do you guys think about the finale? Yeah, I think it's uh, very good. Um, I, I do like it. I know it says the Siege of the North Part 1 and 2 is the last two episodes, but really it's the last three episodes that really uh, culminate the Northern Water Tribe. And just seeing the stark differences between, you know, the North and South um, and how, you know, the Northern Water Tribe basically looks down on the Southern Water Tribe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just... But yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic, and then I love the Blood Moon where the, all the waterbenders just lose all their bending. Like that's yeah. that was such a cool concept, uh, and how they uh, tie in the solstices because we know the um, yeah the day of Black Sun, you know the solar, solar eclipse, eclipse. The firebenders lose their bending ability, but on the flip side, on the you know uh, the lunar eclipse, um, they waterbenders lose their bending, and so it's cool to see uh, see both sides of that coin. Well, it wasn't the lunar eclipse. Just the the moon was gone. <laughs> no, no, no. It was the blood moon, and then oh yeah, yeah, the blood moon. They actually gain power, and then they killed yeah. the water spirit. Yeah, and uh, and that happened. That's correct. But I do like seeing a big, big scary fish. Ang he uh, takes out the entire Fire Nation army that have this section of them, anyways, that have come to come to call it the Northern Water Tribe, and uh, General Zhao gets his come up. It's but a great a great end to the first book and it leads into some really awesome things for these next two because like i said these next two books are where we get the payoff for everything set up in the first one so i want to ask you guys what is your least favorite episode in this book Deidre Q first Least favorite episode probably was the pirates. Yeah, it was so stupid. I thought I thought the pirates were stupid. It was it was kind of nuts seeing them face off against magic fire users. It's like guys, 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 get back on the boat. Your little swords and whatever you got going on is not gonna. It shouldn't have really even been a fight. Like Zuko and Iroh should have finished that pretty quick. Yeah, that was a low point for me as well. So the the whole episode, I, I can't remember what it's called, but the the gang goes on a boat and um. Katara steals, Katara a, steals scroll. a waterbending mm-hmm. scroll, and then the the pirates go after them, and then they team up with Zuko and crew, and it's a whole thing. It, 
the episode is literally called the waterbending scroll. <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of ridiculous. I feel like the pirates are weird and not they almost don't they're almost too weird. They don't fit they don't yeah. fit the the setting. They don't. Andrew, what is your least favorite episode in this book? I'm just going to have to piggyback. I think that's pretty the dang pirates. It, it doesn't make any sense any it just doesn't make any sense to me. You feel like in in canon in that world they would know and not try to mess with them. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But it is what it is, you know. That know. episode must be I written. I don't know. I don't have a bad episode. I don't I I didn't think there was a bad episode, so this is a hard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and I agree with Andrew even though I say that I thought it was the weakest of still a good series. I mean, well that's that's why I said the least favorite. I guess that I guess that episode should be rated R for really weak. Um, great. Wesley, coming to you, man. What is your least favorite episode in book one? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Great Divide, man. I, for me, I just didn't care about the issues between the two opposing tribes, and <laughs> and the you know, they had some. But I got a but. I think it's a good thing we see Aang try to mediate and, and he's stepping into his role he's he's slowly stepping into his yeah. role as the avatar yeah and it's just with two two little tribes but like it's the start of him being an avatar and that, yeah. Yeah, that's true that's like the only piece that we get out of this episode uh, is is a little bit of Aang's growth other than that there wasn't much movement in this episode action was kind of boring and it doesn't move the plot that much it it really is a, a fillerish episode. It's it's got a lot of right. filler, filler vibes. Grant, I think I think we know which one is your f- least favorite. So why is it Jet? It's Jet because I, I just don't care for the Jet character in the season. Um, it, it feels like this episode is just there. Um, it doesn't fill any plot hooks for this season. I, it does for later. Um, just introduces the characters for later is really what it does. But mm-hmm. what happens in this episode is almost inconsequential. Yeah. Yeah, that's another one that's, that's kind of a fillerish episode, too, even though it is important later. And uh, the three ones that we talked about, the waterbending scroll, Jet, and the Great Divide are back to back to back. And that, <laughs> that might be why we're like, ugh, you know, when we get there, it's like, some filler episodes. Yeah, th- yeah, it is right after the Winter Solstice Part Two, so it comes off of uh, you know the mid-season high, and then kind of breaks through, and then uh, the, the st- there's a dip before they get to the end. That's a good point. And then it's the storm that Blake was talking about earlier, following the Great Divide. So I mean, it, it gets back up there. Yeah, the, the storm really brings it back to to amazingness. Oh, I love that episode. So my least favorite episode. You you guys might hate me for this. It's the episode where they go to the northern uh, air temple and meet with all the 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 people who have settled there. Like I, I just oh man, but that sets up so much though. But yes, the episode the episode sets up so much. I like the last like two minutes, but the rest of it just him with the goofy scientist and hey, look, we can air bend too, but not really. Like it was just. Okay, cool. Like it was just them flying around for a whole episode, and Sokka discovering that this guy is a Fire Nation traitor, or not a Fire Na- uh, a traitor to the Fire Nation. He's building weapons for the Fire Nation, 
And yes, this episode does set up a lot because Sokka does come up with the air balloon and that is what the Fire Nation uses in their assault on everybody else. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's how we learn. It's how we learn what happened to Aang's people, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Aang, Aang has always been like, there's no way the Fire Nation can get to the air temples. They can't fly. And it's always been a question in our minds of what could they have done to get up there? Yeah, I specifically remember a quote from Aang where he says the only way to get, which is another thing I wanted to bring up, the only way for him to get to the uh, air temple is with... Uh, uh, forgive me, I forgot the name. Appa? Appa, yes. Which which we haven't talked about. Yeah, yeah, Flying Bison. Yep, yep. The Millennium Falcon of the show. Yeah, I was going to say, we haven't talked about Appa at all. We haven't talked about Appa or Momo. No one's mentioned Appa. It's yeah, crazy. Momo's okay. But yeah, no, he. but he does say that. He says you can't get there without a Flying Bison. Yeah. So is that in reference to... No, he's he's in his world. No one else can fly. Yeah. Is that why he says that? Yes, exactly. Yeah, because okay. back in back in his time, there was no way of flying aside from being an airbender. Right. That's but he, so, he doesn't know that the Fire Nation has see, become so technologically advanced. And right. that's why that's that's the kind of thing that really interests me because in his perspective, that's why he's saying that. So the audience thinks that no one else can get there, but then you realize that all it takes to get there is to fly. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, and I think it's I. I like the lore and I like the setup for other things in the story because eventually the uh, Fire Nation gets uh, Fire Nation Zeppelins, which this is the start of that. Really cool stuff. But I just I just don't like everything surrounding that plot line. Does everything else just seems like stupid fluff? I don't know. I know that it's, it's not really funny. It's just kind of boring to see them all flying around like. Yeah, <laughs> I just I don't know that that episode is weak for me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, okay. independently, like in a vacuum, yeah, this episode was not that great, but in the full context of the entire show, it was important. Yes, it was very important. This episode is also called the Northern Air Temple. They were very creative with their names this season. Yeah, right. <laughs> Everything's really on the nose. Lots of geography. It's also a Dave Floney episode. <laughs> My man likes a compass. <laughs> So let's end this thing on a high note. Best episode of the season. Grant, starting with you. I'm going to have to go with episode 8, Winter Solstice Part 2, Avatar Roku. Um, we get to see Aang meet Avatar Roku. We get to see him uh, see his dragon, which is just cool. Um, and he, he's already there in the Fire Temple over in, uh, you know, on the Fire Nation. And it's uh it's just interesting to see him interact and learn from Avatar Roku in that episode and it um you know ultimately he's like okay how are we going to get out of here and we actually see Avatar Roku go out there as taking over Aang's body and firebend and take care of everybody so they could escape and it's really cool and it really showed uh just how powerful the Avatar really is and what they can really do once they um get to the mastering of the four elements. Yeah. Yeah, it was our first glimpse at a fully realized Avatar great episode so wesley your favorite episode of book one water there there were several episodes i could have chosen but i'm going with the blue spirit oh god that was mine that was no that was mine one. too Good that one. was mine too hey that was mine yeah that was mine. Uh, well i i need your help to kind of fill in so we can we can group do this together i'll i'll bring in whenever you whenever you feel like you are lacking i, I yeah guess. well yeah we'll, we'll talk about blue spirit I, yeah, I mean, just to start, like, I like to see this side of Zuko. Like, you know, he's a vigilante, and, you know, my gamer tag is, is Vigilante West, so I, 
so I identify with that. Uh-oh. Any single ladies out there that like the game, Wesley's gamer tag is Vigilante Wes. PlayStation. We play PlayStation. Hit me up. <laughs> we get to see, like, a different side of Zuko where he's combating with, like, these daggers and he's not really using fire bending and I, I like that I like to see this different side of Zuko it really was like uh, our, our first showing that Zuko isn't as bad as he tries to be well no he is as bad he's bad to the bone dude oh man no 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 I think it's worse I think it's worse mm. it is it, he is willing to betray his country just so he can get a chance at capturing the avatar later and I think that's worse yeah it's not altruism. He's not good here. He's not doing the right no, thing. No, not at all. He's just trying to get his chance to capture the Avatar, because right now, Zhao yeah, has him. he hates Zhao. Right? That's how we start the episode. Yeah, but he could have captured... No, I don't think so that exactly either, because he could have just kept Aang whenever he got him out of there and kept him... Yes, he could have. How He was unconscious. He was unconscious on the ground. How do you capture someone when you're unconscious? All right. I forgot about that part. I'll give you that one. Give me that one? I feel like Aang's friends were really close, though, right? Weren't they, wasn't the gang, like, right up on... No, they were sick. They were sick. No, it was Zuko that ended up being unconscious, not Aang. Yeah, got that's out. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah Zuko's unconscious. Yeah, how was... How was... So Zuko was unconscious. Yeah, Zuko can't capture Aang if he's unconscious. That's not the point. The point, the point is he did this not with feelings of, like, I'm trying to help the team, but he did it because he wanted to have the chance to capture the Avatar himself. And, and that's kind of cool. I think so, too. It, it really shows the how far Zuko will go to get his dad's love and appreciation. He will betray his nation and fight his own people. Yeah, he would rather the Avatar get away than, than to have someone else in the Fire Nation capture him. And we, we do have ang finding out that zuko's the blue spirit in this episode he's knocked out he's on the ground and he removes the mask and it throws ang for a loop like he doesn't know what to mm -hmm. think at all and i think this episode's a, a good bit of foreshadowing too this all the fighting was cool i love the action the 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 action sequences in this episode were top notch the fighting was top notch even though Zuko wasn't using his bending and Aang is captured and you know there's a lot of really cool action sequences in this episode let me add the little musical notif the ting 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 mm -hmm. ting you hear anytime the blue spirit is around that's a really interesting addition to the, the soundtrack or, or the music of it it's a little musical notif you know the blue spirit's around when you hear the little chimes right so I do think this episode does a good bit of foreshadowing because while Zuko is doing something that helps Aang in the long run, he's not doing it to help Aang. He's doing it to help himself. However, he does end up joining the team in later book, in book three. He does end up becoming part of this team. So it's like it's an interesting bit of foreshadowing, I think, that, that they chose to have Zuko save Aang. Even if it's for the wrong reasons now, eventually it won't be that way. Absolutely. And, you know, my favorite part of the episode is actually the very end where we get to see some, you know, great interactions between Aang and Zuko. Um, it's the fact that Aang saved Zuko after he was struck by the arrow perfectly displays that um, the pure heart of Aang. And that's why he's such a lovable character. Yeah. And he doesn't, he, and Aang doesn't take the moment to 
to kill Zuko like he could. He could get rid of the guy that's been chasing him all this time, like, and he doesn't take that opportunity. While that's not in Aang's nature anyway, still interesting. Yeah, I could talk. Oh, I love the blue spirit. So, coming to you, Andrew. So, the rest of us, yes, our favorite episode was the blue spirit. However, we'll talk about what's your second favorite episode, Andrew? Uh, So, I'm not going to, I don't know. I can't resign to a favorite episode, to be honest with you. I got two favorite scenes, though. I think think it's in episode seven, uh, the Winter Solstice part one, uh, when Aang is, I guess, uh, pardon my memory. I don't know if he's dead or if he's in the ghost realm. He's just in the spirit realm. realm. Or spirit, spirit world. world. He's in yeah. the spirit realm. Okay, I I really enjoyed that episode. That was very good. But I think my favorite scene of all was Uncle Hero or Hero and <laughs> Uncle uh, Hero. Yes, that's his new name, Uncle Hero. To, un, Uncle Uncle Hero. Uncle Hero. Just just chilling on a hot tub. I think that was my favorite <laughs> favorite scene of all time. And the Earthbenders come up yes. on him, and he's just like, he's just, <laughs> yeah, he just he's just hanging out in a hot tub, and that's just all he wants to do. And I absolutely love. I think he's the best character in the whole. And I just I don't know, man. I <laughs> I wish he had his own episodes. Uncle only gets better over time too. It's great. He's amazing. So, I do want to talk about that scene, or not that scene that the episode that that comes out of though, the Winter Solstice. Uh, the face of Ko is one of. Or excuse me, Ko the Face Stealer is one of the coolest characters. Like we don't get a lot on Ko the Face uh, Stealer, but that's the creepiest thing in Avatar. We get a lot more Legend of Korra. Yeah, we mm-hmm. did. Legend of Korra really deeps down into where Ko comes yeah. from and what he did. Yeah, I'll give that to Korra. Way to go. Still a mistake, but that is the creepiest thing of this season. I'm telling you. Co the face sealer is oh it's every time the voice, <laughs> the way it just changes faces and the faces don't blink they just stare at you. it's creepy. I like Co the face stealer. Oh, so creepy. Yeah, and Aang has to face it and show no emotion. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Good. Good storytelling. Diedrich, your favorite episode other than Blue Spirit. So your second favorite episode. I I think it's. You'll have to help me remember the actual episode number, but I guess it's my my favorite scene. I'll go with scene um, after the blue spirit, and it, honestly, I hate saying it because it will probably help you in your argument and our ongoing argument for the next three episodes of the Yin uh-huh. Yang. Um, but the scene where Zuko is has captured Aang is in the cave, and he just he can't go anywhere. There's a blizzard going on, and there's no way he has of getting Aang back to his crew. And he just has to give in to the fact that he's not going to win this one. And there's a lot of verbiage going back and forth between Aang and Zuko. And one of my favorite lines that Aang gives is, if we were in a different time, would you have been my friend? Mm-hmm. And I think that really sets up what's going to happen later on in later yeah. seasons between those two characters. More foreshadowing. And also, it foreshadows the other episode that I was talking about was kind of the sequel to The Storm. It's the episode in book three where we get the backstories on Avatar Roku and uh, Fire Lord, not Ozai. Uh, what's the first one? Azula. Uh, Azula. Uh, Sozin? No, Sozin. You're no. right. Yeah. No. Fire Lord Sozin. Sozin. Yeah, it is, is Sozin. Yeah, but he, she was named after Azulon, which is different Fire Lord. But yes, correct. It's Avatar Roku's backstory and uh, Fire Lord Sozin's backstory so i guess that brings us to my favorite episode that's not the blue spirit Uh, (laughs) because that is my favorite episode in this season but other than that one 
while you're thinking, let me let me just say another scene I really liked was when uh, Commander Commander at this point Zhao is talking to some. I can't remember his name, but he he is the leader of some military installation, and he's like, I want your archers to come join my hunt for the Avatar. There's no point in you having these elite archers just hanging out here for no reason. And the, and the commander's like, they're my archers, and you're not getting them. And right after he says that, a raven flies in and delivers a piece of mail that shows that Zhao has now been promoted, promoted. to admiral. And he's like, oh, by the way, it's no longer a request. You have, you to, have do to do this. Do this. Yeah. Yeah, it's in order. And I thought I was like, dang, that's bad A, you know? Like that's that was a nice scene. I really liked that one. I think that one was also in the Blue Spirit, though. I just wanted to talk about that scene yeah. with Zhao. With yeah, Blue Spirit is so amazing. Love that. One of my favorite episodes in this season, probably probably my second favorite episode, is when Aang meets that Fire Lord general. I can't think of his name right now. You're talking about the deserter. Yes, the deserter. When he meets the the the, gener- the fire general that's going to teach him firebending, and he, he yeah, he, I'll, I'll look up. His I can't name. think of his name, and now it's, it's bothering me now because I just watched this episode like it was like a week ago, and a lot has happened in a week. Not going to lie, but he's going to learn firebending, and he's he's doing okay at it, and he just he's just not getting the hang of it, and then he finally lets loose and hurts Katara. His name is Jiang Jiang. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a cool name, Zhang Zhang. And he was at one point he was a military commander, but he's since left. That's right. That's right. And is doing his own thing in the wilderness. Exactly. He's part of the White Lotus. He is part of the White Lotus. He is. He is. But we don't know that yet. Another seed in this book one that comes to fruition in book three. Anyway, but to see Zhang Zhang, Jar Jar, Jar Jar. <laughs> Misa gonna burn your tipple. <laughs> but Zhang Zhang teaching Avatar firebending. He's he's he basically tells Aang that he's not ready for it. Like it's it's a power. It's ferocious. It's wild. You can't. You you have to direct it. You really can't contain it. That the, the firebending is unlike the other disciplines. It is is so erratic. Aang also he doesn't have that ferocity. You kind of have to have a little bit of like. Yeah. to you a little bit of control a little bit of fierceness to control the fire and he's just not quite there it's kind of like harry potter when you're gonna hurl one of those unforgivable curses you gotta mean it as bellatrix lestrange says same thing with firebending if you're gonna firebend you gotta mean it and and we'll see that that kind of actually affects zuko in later books as well but here ang ang just his heart isn't into learning firebending. He knows that the Fire Nation is the bad guys. They've been hunting him. Like, he's got a bad view of firebending, right? And then when he does mean it, it's against Katara, someone that he loves. So, I just, I like that episode for the for the complexity that it has. And it's also the episode where we get Katara healing herself with the water. So we get that power added on to her for the first time. A unique water bending ability. Zhang Zhang also might be the first firebender who we see does not directly attack Aang immediately. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 100%. It, it is. Maybe aside from Iroh. Iroh is always on the sidelines, but he's really, he's a part of that group trying to attack him. Somebody else has already attacked him in the group, yeah. Zhang Zhang is just hanging out in the wilderness. Do they ever explain why the Fire Nation just is so bad? Or is there just... They're just bad. That's just how it is. I mean, they just want power, man. They're just... 
they think they're better than everyone because of their technological advances and they want to quote unquote share their culture with the rest of the world because they're world domination and I think they're supposed to represent Japan yeah. I mean when you think about the, the shape of their continent and where the Fire Nation lives it's a, it's a little island kind of shaped like Japan and there's a lot of references to World War II Imperial Japan within the military of the Fire Nation and Earth Kingdom's very much like China during that time the Earth Kingdom yeah but yes, that is my second favorite episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. So good good wrap-up of, of book one, good review. We got into some deep topics that we're going to continue to explore in the next two episodes of Dork Wars, the podcast, the next two books of Avatar The Last Airbender, because the themes that we have talked about tonight just continue to grow and blossom in these next two books. So Avatar The Last Airbender is amazing, and we will keep talking about it so stay tuned next week for another great episode of Dork Wars the Podcast. But let's throw it now to Master Yoda for the word of the week. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Hmm. Ong, the word of the week is Master Yoda to maybe maybe you've not seen the show maybe just the movie which if, if you have I encourage you to watch the show it's on Netflix and Paramount Plus I don't know if you have those on Dagobah but it's Aang you, you can't say it like that mm, say it the way I want to I will okay that's, that's fine but I'm going to tell you you're going to get a lot of backlash from the Avatar fans that are listening to this show of Dork Wars the Podcast mm, care I do not one with the force I am Touched me, they cannot. Who cares? I mean, I guess that's true, too. The Force can mean anything. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you're not going to concede to calling him by his real name, did, did, did you watch any of the actual show? Hmm, no. Watch the movie I did. Great advice. Oh, Master Yoda, come <laughs> on now. Matt, no, no, no. Yes. <laughs> Great characters it had. Great twist. Shyamalan M. Knight. Great director he is. And you gotta say his name backwards. I mean, I know you gotta... Anyways, it's... Alright, man. So I'm, I'm can't. This is over. This has been a great episode of Dork Wars the Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Check out DorkWarsPodcast.com where you can find the links to our YouTube channel, our merchandise store, and everywhere that you can find our show. Check out our Facebook page, our Twitter page, our Instagram, those are all Dork Wars the Podcast. Just type those things in, you'll find them. Or you can even type in Dork Wars Linktree on Google and find every link that we have. Check us out. Thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Thank you for supporting Dork Wars the Podcast. You can check us out on facebook.com forward slash Dork Wars the Podcast. And if you would like to join in on the discussion or maybe suggest topics for us to discuss, please do so by joining our Discord community or sending us an email at dorkwarspodcast at gmail.com. This has been a My Cabbages production.